You're listening to The Cutting Edge, presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker. This is Petra Hilleberg, President and CEO of Hilleberg the Tentmaker. For over 45 years, we have specialized exclusively in building strong, lightweight tents and in never compromising on quality of materials or construction. From the very beginning, we have been family-owned and family-run. Our tents have become the go-to choice for discerning outdoor adventurers all over the world, and especially for those who travel in challenging terrain and conditions and who demand utter reliability from their equipment. Conceived and developed in northern Sweden, our tents are made in Europe, built to last, and offer the ideal balance of high strength, low weight, ease of use, and remarkable comfort. This is Dougal McDonald, editor of the American Alpine Journal, the AAJ. Today's show features Hans Jorgauer, a 34-year-old Austrian climber who exploded onto the international scene in May 2007 when he free-soloed the fish route, Il Pesce, on the huge south face of the Marmolata. This limestone climb in the Dolomites is roughly 37 pitches long, with a crux of 512C. After only a brief inspection one day before, Auer, then just 22 years old, soloed the route in less than three hours. It's one of the few free solos in history comparable to the ones done by Alex Honnold in recent years. Hauer has followed this up with expeditions to just about everywhere, first mainly on huge rock routes, the Trango Group, Norway, Siberia, Patagonia, Baffin Island, and to Colorado's Black Canyon of the Gunnison, where he did the first free ascent of the hallucinogen wall. More recently, he's been climbing big mountain routes in the Karakoram and the Himalaya. This past summer, he was in the Hunza region of Pakistan, where the goal was the west face of Lutkar Sar West, first climbed in 1979 and rarely attempted since. Hauer was alone. In July, he pulled off a very rare feat, a solo new route on a 7,000-meter peak. For this episode, Chris Kalman spoke with Hauer about the new route on Lutkar Sar and about the attractions and dangers of soloing in the high mountains. We also asked him about one of 2018's internet sensations, a short video of an incredibly scary rappel, that Auer made while backing off a solo climb in the Alps. That video has been seen over 700,000 times. Bold and creative, hans Jorg Auer is one of the most prolific and wide-ranging alpinists going today. Chris reached him at home in Austria. Enjoy the show. Well, hans Jorg Auer, thank you so much for being here today to talk with us about your solo of Lupgar Sar West in the Hunza Valley of Pakistani Karakoram. Um, Hans Jorg climbed the face back in July uh, earlier this year. And um, yeah, really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, thanks for, for your email and thanks for the invitation. Maybe you can set the scene for us a little bit um, for people that aren't that familiar. Where, where exactly is it? in the Karakoram and, you know, what's some of the climbing history in this area? Yeah. So the, the Hunza region is, is more in the Northwestern part of the Karakoram and it's not far away, but it's still a little bit, it's a bit different place than like the classic area, the Paltoro. And climbing wise or mountaineering wise, the Hunza region is also not that famous than the Paltoro region, but, mainly because there is no 8,000-meter peak. 
so we have some very high several thousand meter peaks and actually all the mountains in Hunza are more or less more or less climbed once but most of them only once you know or twice so there is still a lot of potential for hard alpine-style routes. So this was not your first trip to the Hunza, isn't that correct? You were there yeah. uh, some years before. Yeah, I was there in 2013, going uh, yeah on the expedition to Kunanchish East. And uh, now, Was it during that first trip that you saw Lupgar Sar West and started thinking about climbing it? Actually, I, 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 I haven't... I haven't seen it during that trip. I was just like kind of very interested in the region, the Hunza region, you know, and I just started like Googling and uh, looked at the American Alpine journals. So I found a, found this, found more information about this mountain. And uh, since, since 2013, I was always kind of thinking, you know, I mean, uh, how, how would it feel, you know, to go solo in high altitude? Because, you know, my, from the early years in my climbing, you know, I always was driven to solo climbing somehow. And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of natural for me to think about going alone to a high mountain. And, uh, when I found out about Lucasar, I had the, the, yeah, I had the feeling that this could be a, a perfect goal to do that sooner or later. You know, I had no like plan and I just like kept it somehow, you know, in my, in in my mind and uh yeah and this spring actually uh, my my plan was to go to Ultasar to the southeast pillar but the friend of mine who I'm yeah planning to go with uh, yeah didn't felt like 100% healthy so he had some yeah he had, he was very sick like in spring so he decided not to go and so yeah in that moment I Lukasar came in my mind and I yeah I thought about it could be the the chance now to do that, to go there. Cool. Can you give us a quick uh, sort of paint the picture of what this mountain looks like from your base camp? Because um, looking at it, the pictures I've seen, it just looks like this beautiful, proud pyramid um, with a couple of swoop, swooping ridges going going down the flanks. But um, what, how did you kind of pick out your line and, and what did you see from base camp looking up? Actually, this mountain has three summits. What you can see from below is the west summit and there is a middle summit and the east summit. For me, I had like two possibilities for, for lines on the west face and, uh, there was like a more central one, uh, but I couldn't see like everything from base camp. So because it was like, uh, the angle was a little bit from the side so i decided for the left one where i knew more or less that there is no let's say no big cliff you know stopping the cool or something you know and um how's your acclimatization process go i have to say that solo acclimatizing is very very boring so this was this was something where <laughs> for the next time i would like somehow yeah find another way to acclimatize with some other people before on another mountain or something like that, because acclimatizing is just staying up in high altitude, you know, sitting in the tent all day long alone was very, very boring. So when I finished acclimatizing, I was really psyched because uh, I knew, okay, now it's, now it's the time, you know, time arrives, time is coming. And, um, 
I wasn't sure how I should 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 uh, plan it because uh, first I thought you know I can try it with one PV, but then I was not sure about that, so I decided to to take all uh, like stuff for two PVs for the way up, and uh, and also deciding when to start. This was kind of tricky because uh, you have no other you have no friend you know to ask you know what do you think, and even if you I mean, there is the possibility to call somebody, you know, to call my brother or something, but it it doesn't help you because in the end you have to know and you have to decide because you are there. So this was not so easy, and uh, yeah, for the fr- the very first possibility I skipped because uh, I somehow felt a little bit tired from acclimatizing. But then you know I had these thoughts of ah maybe I I fucked it up or. But then, right a little bit later, you know, a few days later, another window arrived. Not, not very, not a very good one. But I decided to go because I knew anyway I'm climbing alone, and I, yeah, I knew that climbing alone, I will be moving all day long, you know, and I will be fast, you know. So, looking at uh, a photo of the route line on your website. What I what I see looking at that picture is this huge mountain, and then this little red line covering like the top third of it. Yeah, um, I assume that there was more to it than that. So, what what elevation were you at when you start, like at base camp, and then where that red line starts? Yeah, t- tell me a little bit about everything getting up to that point and how high you are at that that moment too yeah so so base camp uh, i put up base camp at 4500 and uh the f- the face of of the west face of, of lupka southwest uh the, like on the right side it starts from i would say five nine going up to seven one and on the left side it starts from let's say around six one going up to seven one okay so the first day, I just like was more or less just arriving to the base of the west face, which was pretty long, and yeah. So I started four or five, and I reached after eight eight hours. I reached the base of the face, and I was there between six one and six two because I decided for the line on the very left side where the face is also a little bit shorter, and right. uh, the face itself, it's uh, yeah, it was around. Let's say one thousand meter more or less, and uh, in the beginning of the interview, I was mentioning that I had the feeling that this is a perfect, perfect uh, project for for a first time going solo in high altitude, and the reason is because the face is not that big, and the climbing, I was looking for, uh, I was looking on like what I was seeing on the pictures, you know, back home, the climbing was pretty much straightforward, so I knew. It's not like super complicated when I, at least when I'm on the face, you know, I was more yeah. worried about getting to the face because like the, 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 there is like really big crevasses, you know, going up. So on the face itself, you know, it was just, yeah, straightforward, you know. Once you started climbing on the face, how did that go? You said it was pretty straightforward, but was it? Were you climbing primarily ice or mixed terrain? Or yeah, so when I reached reached the BV, you know, I the weather it started snowing in the afternoon, like late afternoon. So uh, yeah, this was maybe the only moment where I was yeah where I had kind of doubts, you know, if it 
if I can like handle the situation or if I'm, yeah, if, if everything is getting, if I'm going well the next day, but then I just thought back, you know, to all my solo climbs in the Alps, in the Dolomites. And I mean, I just was thinking, said to myself, you know, I mean, this is just, let's say it's just another solo, you know? Yeah. And it's something what I, what I can do and I'm, I'm able to do. And, uh, then in the, in the morning, I actually, I planned to start climbing at four in the morning, but, but then I still also had not a very good sleep at the beginning of the night. So I decided to, to put one hour more in the morning because I was sleeping much better. So I, I started at five and, uh, it was very cold. It was very cold at the beginning and it just like tried to move, 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 move to be like in, <coughs> yeah, to move to get out cold. And uh, all the phase up to the ridge uh, at 6,900 is uh, 6,900 is more or less, um, yeah, ice climbing, you know, snow, ice up to 50, 55 degrees, not very hot, uh-huh. just like straightforward. There were some like some sections with uh, some some blank ice, some some blue blank ice, but but n- it was nothing, yeah, nothing like. Should I say like complicated things, you know? And were you on some of those blank ice sections? Were you ever self belaying or no, no, did you no, just no. no I had so I, I took a sixty meter six millimeter rope, and uh, I was not belaying until the until the ridge. And being on the ridge, uh, I decided was because I was looking up, and I somehow didn't look that steep. So I decided to leave all my gear at six nine, you know, and I also took up the baby gear. So I had everything with me, you know, sleeping bag, tent, everything, because uh, I my plan was still like to to make a baby somewhere, you know. But then I decided to okay, I guess I can make it today, and I left everything there, everything, also the rope, you know, and I started climbing up the, really? the northwest ridge, and uh, during that climb up there and i had the feeling that maybe it was a big mistake to leave the rope down you know yeah <laughs> i think yeah because uh it turned out that the rock was very uh very loose you know and uh the higher i got the more exposed i felt somehow you know <laughs> and uh, it would have been nice to have the rope you know to upside down but yeah but then i just like climbed and climbed you know and then there was this other little bit scary moment when just below the summit ridge, because it was very steep. I left, I was climbing a little bit left of the Northwest Ridge and there was a lot of snow, you know, blown over from the South side. And I mean, there was no other way, you know, just to, to, yeah, to climb up these very steep snow slopes at the, at the very, at the very end. And this was maybe the only, yeah, yeah the second moment where i was yeah kind of worried you know if but i mean i mean it, it sounds pretty gripping you know you're at you're at 6900 meters and you stash everything and you take off it's just just you no ropes no partners um how'd you decide to just keep going i mean the what i was what i was like during that expedition, for the first time, you know, I felt this, I felt this, that the mindset to be solo in high altitude is totally different to be in high altitude with a team, you know. You're just much more, 
focus much more also focused on reaching the top you know and uh, somehow this implies that you are or i felt that i felt much stronger than on my previous expedition and it, i think it was not because i trained more i think it was just because i was alone hmm. and i had this this special mindset you know what you need to to do that you know and uh, i mean for sure, if you would be in a team, you know, immediately you would start discussing with your partner, you know, should we take the rope, should we not take the rope? Mm -hmm. But you decide your decision, you're making your decisions on the mountain very fast, you know, mm. and, and, and yeah, with this special mindset in the background, which is much more driven to, to reach the, the summit and to reach a goal. And there is much, there is much less emotions, you know, interesting compared to being with a, with a team. And so <clears throat> now after the expedition, I was also thinking back and I was like comparing the two things like the solo in high altitude and solo on the rock in the Dolomites. And it's the same in the Dolomites, you know. Always when I'm coming back from a solo climb, I had the feeling if I could climb in like in that, with that mindset, you know, with rope, I could climb much harder with rope, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's not, I think it's just... Uh, circumstance because you are alone you have this this special mindset and i think that and the reason and, and the thing is that not too many people you know are able to somehow to to reach that mindset yeah <laughs> that's the reason why that's the reason why there is not so many solo climbers you know around and this is nothing what you can train i think this is more something what you what you need to have you, you yeah yeah it's an ability you get you know you just need to find the moment and then to take the chance is there any moment up there when you're actually scared and you're thinking okay this is a really bad decision i should go back and you actually do sit and uh discuss with yourself or did you find that anytime you started to feel scared like could you just pause and and like take a few breaths and then that was good enough yeah yeah i did that so i just like took a took a break you know and uh, and wasn't thinking too much about the situation just like bringing down my my breath you know and uh and i kept kept on going you know and i mean it was not that that i had the feeling it's impossible to climb down it was i had the feeling it, it's possible to climb down and i just told myself on the way down please take it like climb very slowly and take your time you know and as yeah. time was not so it was still like uh, it was around lunchtime you know so i i knew i have the time you know yeah and and, and that was the th that was what kept me like yeah going you know cool so i remember reading you kind of you you made it through the m3 m4 kind of bad rock um and you get up to close to the summit. You actually found a rope up there from the the team that made the first ascent of the peak, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe this team or the Japanese, you know, who were there the same year. Yeah, I should have brought you, down a piece of it, you know. But <laughs> I was gonna say, did you think about using it to repel? <laughs> <laughs> no, I decided. Actually, I I wasn't thinking about that because it looked very old. But I decided to take down a little stone from the summit, but 
when I was done, you know, yeah, mm. I told myself I should next time I should take down the piece of rope, you know, which would be much nicer. Tell me a little bit about the trip down. Did you did you go back to sixty nine hundred and bivy there, or did you just keep going? No, I, I, so I climbed down to six nine very slowly. Low, like during the hot uh, hot um, during the rock rocky part, you know, I I took a break like after every four or five moves, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it just like very very slowly, and I felt very tired. So mm-hmm. I was very relieved, you know, when I reached my my backpack. So and uh and then i i climbed down and uh i was sure you know that i will pivot on the on the base of the of the west face you know where i pivot on the way up and uh actually but down climbing was yeah at the upper part you know it was i was going down uh like all backwards you know like and and i i just tried because it was yeah on the on the way down i tried to avoid more the um, Said, the blank parts, you know, to right. yeah, to use more the like the snow, the snowy parts, and uh, then it was I felt very tired and I I, I had vomited like in the middle of the face, but uh, you know this is something what I often you know when I'm when I'm on my limit in high altitude when I'm pushing very hard you know this is when you when I reach when I get this feeling that. I'm soon down, you know, or I'm nearly out of the, of the bad situation, you know, then my body just like shows that in with that sign, you know, somehow. So I kept on going down and then there was this, this, um, Bergschrund, you know, right. Uh, where I took a 15 meters fall, uh, because uh, yeah, no, no, just, just, <laughs> just over, you know, because, okay. uh, there was like, it was two backgrounds, you know, and, and, and there was something when I tried to cl- climb down the first one, something was, something broke, you know, like a snow pitch. Uh-huh. And it just like then fell down 50 meters, uh, which sounds now like pretty a lot, you know, but in that moment, I mean, you are realizing that for sure, you know, but it's just something where you, where you don't care much, you know, about it. So it should, because, yeah, because it's just like, when you're out up there, you know, for such a long time, you know, and it's very intense, you know, this is just what happens, you know, somehow. Yeah. And uh, and then I continued down to the place where I pivot. And, uh, yeah, I was still, like, thinking I will stay here. And then I rested for one hour. And I looked to my at my watch, you know, and it was, I think it was, like, let's say 4 p.m. or something, you know. Uh-huh. And then... I decided just to go, you know, and go until, and when I'm tired, I will sleep, you know, but then I just like went and went and went and went and, wow. yeah, and then I, I reached the Marine and, and then it was night dark and I went down. It sounds to me the way you just described it, like you down climbed the whole mountain. Yeah. Were you doing repels? Everything down climbed because, uh, uh, it just, it's also, I mean, in some sections, you know, you you have to take it slowly, but it's still fa- much faster, you know, than tr- making the Balakovs, you know, f- just for yourself, you know, and you're much faster because uh, you can't split the work somehow too, you know, so you have to do everything. So I mean, for sure, if it's if it's harder, you know, you need you need to upsell, you know, and uh, but as I explained before, you know, this is pretty 
the, the face itself, like the west face up to, up to which is pretty straightforward climbing. So it's also straightforward climbing on the way down. Uh, how many hours on the go were you from the time you left base camp to when you returned? Uh, you mean like base camp, base camp? Or sorry, like advanced base camp when you... Oh, so the PV, PV. Like, yeah. I, I think it was 12, yeah, 12 hours. A bit, a little bit less than 12 hours. And uh, yeah, which is also very interesting. Uh, and this is, this reminds me of some stories, you know, of like climbers like uh, Ulish Deckwalls or like other climbers who have been solo in high altitude. When you are alone, you are just... If it, I mean, if it's like super technical terrain, you know, you are slow anyway. But if it's yeah. like straightforward climbing, you are very, very fast. Because there right. is no other thing than moving. There is yeah. no, you don't need time for discussions. You don't need so much time for sharing emotions because you don't share emotions. With whom should you share them? And right. there is, yeah, there is not that your partner is saying, ah, let's make a break. You make your break when you want, you know? and and you just like, yeah, you just go. And this is, I think this is what I was, yeah, what I was surprised somehow that, because when I was coming home, you know, my brother asked me, Bob, you have been very fast, you know, and, uh, and he asked me, was it not difficult? I said, I mean, it was not like super technical, uh, but I'm sure, you know, with a team, you, have, you would have been much slower. And there is another interesting fact is that when you are, Doing that in solo, you know, there is also not so much to tell afterwards. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, there is, and there is not so much pictures, you know, there is not so much footage, there is not so much right. to tell. And yeah, somehow it's, I think it's all about that. Yeah, you're very, very driven with this special mindset just to reach your goal and go back, you know, and that's it. Sure. And yeah. There is nobody saying, you know, do you see these nice clouds over there? <laughs> I mean. Right. <laughs> yeah. And this is what also other climbers, you know, if you read the reports and, and books and so on, you know, this is what also they describe, you know. And if you ask Reinhard Messner, how was it like the solo climb of Everest? Uh, I mean, it's a long time ago, but still, if you ask him, you know, he, he can't tell you so much. Hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Well, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, I definitely have a couple of questions just about like your decision making, how you decide uh, what kind of object objectives to take on, and and how you deal with objective hazard. I, I think you're probably best known for two things. One is your free solo of the Pesci route on. Uh, the marmalata yeah. in the Italian Dolomites, which at the time was, you know, certainly a candidate for one of the uh, hardest free solo rock climbs in the world. And I've even heard since Honold's um, free solo of the free rider, people will often compare it to your, your free solo of the Pesci. And then the other thing you're probably super well known for is this short YouTube video. <laughs> I knew that it was coming, you know. This terrible, horrible-looking rappel that you did off this little rock spike. And by rock spike, I mean, that's that's like over-aggrandizing what that thing was. I mean, it was just this tiny little nubbin of rock. Yeah. And I have to admit, Hans-Jörg, when I 
look at that video, it makes me cringe. And I just, you know, I can't understand how you made that decision. And then I also, reading about the the Pesci route, you know, it, it was nowhere near as rehearsed as Honold's Hello. free solo. And it's not, I, I'm not interested in comparing, you know, or saying one's better or bigger or whatever. But you, when I look at these two things that you're most famous for, they seem really, really dangerously close to the edge. Do they feel as close to the edge to you as they look to me? And if so, how do you how do you make that decision to keep on climbing that way? And if not, then what am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean I have to say that, you know, I'm this 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 upselling of this little piece of rock, you know, this is was just because I made a mistake, you know, climbing up this face. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not proud of that. But it's just like, yeah, I, I put myself in this, that situation. I had to, and I had to find a solution. When I found this little piece of rock, you know, frozen there, I just told myself, okay, maybe I can, I can try to do that, you know. And I mean, I was scared upsiding down from that little piece of rock, mm-hmm. but. In all of my climbing career, you know, I was many times in situations where for the first moment I had no solution, you know, to to come out from this situation or to solve the problem, you know. Mm. But every time there was one arriving or one popping up in my mind. I'm a person, you know, from time to time, I just, I think I need to, yeah, to feel like being exposed, you know, even if it means like rock climbing or or ice climbing or in high altitude, I just need that somehow, you know, to to feel happy, you know. And I also know, or I also sometimes, you know, also uh, I'm thinking a lot about these situations, you know. And sometimes I I also telling myself, you know, but now it's enough, you know. So I remember when I was younger, you know, doing the solos in the Dolomites, you know, after every. So- Every, every solo climb I told myself uh, but this was it for that year you know and so I stopped because I had also always the feeling you know this is something what should not be, become routine and I think yeah. all my all my situations you know which might be crazy for other people and yeah okay they are sometimes crazy <laughs> uh, but I think they are they are never routine you know and also, like upsetting off this 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 piece little piece of rock, it's not routine, you know. But this is what happens, you know, if you are out there, you know, nearly every day. You know, in the end, this is your passion, you know, and there is no way to totally stop that, you know. But there is a for me, there is a way to, yeah, to manage it in in that direction. When you when I say always say to myself, you know, let's focus on. I mean, I'm climbing all year round, you know, but for the big things, you know, let's focus on quality instead of quantity, you know. And uh, also when I, and and for myself, you know, when I do some cool ice climbs, you know, I, when I feel satisfied, you know, I, I have also days, you know, where I just don't need to push, you know, up to the, to the very limit, you know, and I just go climbing, you know. And uh, I think everybody needs to find his way. Uh, and I mean, the most important thing is to become old, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, one way or another, you know, just congratulations on an amazing climb. It sounds to me like from everything I've read that this is sort of a preparatory climb for for bigger things in the Himalaya, for bigger solos um, at high altitude. Is that is that how you feel? Do you have other things in mind? I mean, it's always, you know, in my solo climbing career, I I have always ideas in my mind, you know, and projects in my mind, but I never can say if I, even if I can realize them or if, especially if the moment arrives to do that, you know, and, and sure. this is something when I, when I look to, to Honold, you know, to Alex, uh, this is something what, what must be very, very hard if you, like, like he, it was now on the cap with all this camera crew and so on, you know. I think for myself, you know, this yeah. would be so much more pressure, you know. I mean, this is very impressive. I mean, the solo itself is impressive, but this is impressive as well, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. because this right moment for me, you know, it's so important. It's even more important than anything else to realize a solo climb. And uh, for solo in high altitude, I'm not sure, you know, but I mean, the experience was very, very nice. And I, and I know there is much more possible, but I'm not like now, I don't want to push that, you know, too much. I mean, when the, when the moment arrives and I have a good feeling, you know, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure, you know, I will do another one, but if not, it's not, you know. And uh, this is what I was meaning before also with quality, quality, you know. I think it's not good just to now make a qu- an amount of solo climbs in high altitude. It's much better, you know, mm-hmm. if you wait and there is another one coming, you know, and you try to do as much as quality possible. I wish you the best of luck. I uh, hope that we keep getting reports from you for many years to come. Yeah, sure. I hope so too. <laughs> Thanks to Hans-Jörg Auer for spending time with us. You know, this is the 13th episode of The Cutting Edge. We're more than a year old now. I want to thank Hilleberg the Tentmaker for making this show possible. It would not happen without their support. And we're thrilled that they're coming back for another year in 2019. We're also thankful for all you listeners who have tuned in and enjoyed these in-depth breakdowns of Cutting Edge Climbs. You can find all of our past shows at the Cutting Edge website, where you'll also find that video of Hans-Jörg Auer's terrifying repel. Just Google Cutting Edge Podcast. Until next month, this is Dougal McDonald wishing you happy climbs.